Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. The Arahatavaga, Dhammapada, Chapter 7. <laughs> so far during this review, uh, we've zoomed in on wise restraint and what it looks like to practice the Dhamma all the time. This review has painted a picture of a well-integrated life. Last class, John discussed the Buddha's metaphor of the near and the far shore and the near shore is sort of uh, running back and forth where most people get stuck running back and forth trying to figure out how to get a calm and peaceful mind um and the far shore being the life of an arahant a person with a calm mind that has integrated the Dhamma into their life in such a way that they are able to remain at peace moment by moment, regardless of what is occurring in the world. And embedded in this metaphor is the Eightfold Path. In the metaphor, it's the stream or the river or between the near and the far shore. The implication is that by continually bringing ourselves back to what is occurring moment by moment through genre meditation, then we're in the stream on our way to the far shore. We develop the habit of mind that remains in the present moment when we continually bring ourselves back to what is occurring moment by moment, which is the breath. I can't seem to get my mouth to work. An arahant knows that it isn't about searching for calm. It is about practicing calm until calm abides. So I'm going to read um, some of John's words first, just an introduction. This chapter is the Buddhist description of an arahant. An arahant is a person who has developed a profound level of concentration from a well-concentrated mind, a mind resting in jhana. A person is able to integrate the Eightfold Path as the framework for developing profound wisdom and true compassion as has recognized an abandoned greed, aversion, and deluded thinking. Notice that there is nothing supernatural or superhuman regarding an arahant. Anyone who wholeheartedly engages with the Buddha's Dhamma can awaken in this present life through the only path taught by an awakened human being. This chapter concludes with a description of the benefits that an arahant has in the world and how true arahants inspire other towards others towards the Buddhist Dhamma while having a refined mindfulness and inner calm to avoid adapting, accommodating, and embellishing the Buddhist Dhamma to fit contradictory views. 
Okay, these are the Buddhist words. The Arahant, the perfected one, who has completed the path, who is free of disappointment, who is free of all worldly entanglements, has abandoned the fever of passion. So John's words, the Buddhist third discourse was the fire discourse, where he teaches that confusion, delusion, and suffering arise from the flames of passion. Back to the Buddhist word. Mindful of right effort, they are not attached anywhere. Like swans who abandon a lake, they leave home after home behind. So these are my words. So this points to, again, the moment-by-moment -moment abandonment of eye-making. And the complete absence of clinging. This is the landscape of a calm mind. The Buddha's words. Those who abandon clinging do not accumulate and do not overindulge with regard to food, whose purpose is understanding and unbound freedom. They cannot be tracked like the birds in the air. Those whose fetters are destroyed and not attached to food, whose purpose is understanding and unbound freedom, even their path cannot be tracked like the birds in the air. I want to unpack that a little bit. So the fetters, there's specific fetters, but in the interest of keeping things simple, I'm going to just say that abandoning the fetters just means no longer being distracted by identifying with impersonal phenomena. Or another way of saying this is no longer being distracted by disturbance in the mind or being distracted by an agitated mind. And then also, I just wanted to unpack a little bit, the not attached to food doesn't mean an arahant doesn't eat, only that they do not identify with feelings and experiences of food or any other worldly phenomenon. Their mind remains calm when they eat or do any other ordinary thing that could cause eye-making in an unawakened person or could cause distraction or could cause disturbance or could cause agitation in the mind. Back to these words. I think I'm repeating this. That's okay, though. Those whose fetters are destroyed and not attached to food, whose purpose is understanding and unbound freedom, even their path cannot be tracked like the birds in the air. So birds in the air cannot be tracked. An arahant is living moment by moment in a complete in the same way. And the arahant is living moment by moment in a completely uncertain world. There's no way to predict an arahant or, or, or anything that's going on in an uncertain world. And because they're living moment by moment in a world that is uncertain, they're not predictable. So it's the patterns and the habits that we use to define ourselves that make us predictable. 
Buddha's words. All beings hold dear the wise who know restraint like a charioteer restrained the horse. Man, I I practice <laughs> I practice all the other the, the poly words, but I didn't practice that one. Char chariot charioteer. Did I say it right? Charioteer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, get mad at my students when they don't practice the words for presentation. Okay. Um, so another metaphor that implies repetition and practice. You don't become a charioteer overnight. Charioteer. <laughs> you don't, that doesn't happen overnight. You practice restraining a horse <clears throat> over and over and over and over again for years until you, not, not that I'm saying it takes years to be able to calm your mind, but it is something that when you engage in this practice, it is a practice. It's not something that you understand. It's something that you do over and over and over again. You consistently bring your mind back to what is occurring and you practice that all the time. Um, so you practice restraining the horse the way Sharon Latier practices restraining the horse the way an Arahant practices restraining the mind. Buddhist words. All beings hold dear the wise who have destroyed pride, greed, aversion, and deluded thinking. This is this happens through wise restraint which is moment by moment recognition of distraction followed by abandonment, coming back to the present and then back to breath. So agitation followed by doing what we know brings us back to calm because we have developed the eightfold path. The Buddhist works. The wise, the arahant, like the earth itself, resents nothing. His resolute as a stone pillar in the Dhamma, their pure mind concentrated, refined, is free of all worldly entanglements. Calm thoughts, calm speech, calm deeds. The Arahant, truly knowing the four truths, is perfectly tranquil and wise. The Arahant is free of blind faith and knows the end of karma, Having abandoned the feather, fetters, the cause for suffering has ceased. This one is the most excellent of people. Inspiring indeed is the Arahant's dwelling, whether village, forest, or mountain. Inspiring are the quiet spaces where worldlings find no pleasure, only peace. Inspiring is where Arahant's free of passion, rejoice from abandoning, chasing sensual pleasure. So that's the end of the teaching. And then I just also kind of had this thought at the end where I said, the inspiring indeed is the Arhan's dwelling, whether village, forest, or mountain. I thought of like that in three different ways. I thought of it as where if you were to exist where an Arahant dwells in their living space, I imagine that space to be very calming, whether it's because there's not a lot of stuff accumulated 
for because they're constantly letting things go, that space would be calm. I also thought of it as, to find the phrase again, inspiring indeed is the Arahant's dwelling. How the Arahant dwells, their countenance, being around that alone is calming. It is inspiring. It calms others. And then the third way I thought about it was how an arahant dwells. If you are, if you also dwell in that way, that is moment by moment, consistently existing and being with what is occurring, then you will experience calm. Yeah. Inspiration. I'm sorry, no, it's that okay. was so excellent. Why are you saying sorry? No, I'm sorry. I kind of Woo! Jump in there. It's excellent. Um, any questions? Before I go around the room? I think it's to be such a good Dhamma teacher. Oh, it's, it's a great, a great mentor. <laughs> I had a great, I have a great sa- sangha, and you know. Um, yeah, if, if there's no questions, I'll go around them. It'll be feeling. Brian, react. Uh, I'm at a spot in my life where I'm contemplating moving and the imagery of the, the swans just leaving home after home after home just hit me like a ton of bricks because I've recognized my attachment to my home and my stuff and um the then the contrasting that with the Arahant it doesn't have a home he just has a dwelling and it doesn't matter where the dwelling is or what that situation is he's he's calm or she's calm and at peace regardless um so that was again the dhamma meets you where you are and uh just really hit home today so thank you for your teaching mm-hmm. oh i got the calendar to work All right <laughs> thanks brian <laughs> winning thank you bye <laughs> hi jean hi jen great job good to hi. see you up there um i like in the very beginning it you said you know we don't look for calm we practice calm and that's exactly right. I mean, it, it takes the moment by moment restraint and, you know, practice. So thank you for the teaching. Cool. Thanks, Jane. Hey, Jeff and Deborah. I think I saw Deborah in the background. Thank you very much for that. Um, Deborah's uh, down uh, down with a cold, so she's here, but losing her voice and so forth. Uh, well, I hope you feel better soon, Deborah. Thank you. Thank you. So, it, 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 what I what I take away from this is is how one dwells is where one dwells. 
that it's the 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 dwelling is the common peaceful mind as opposed to any physical location um so the the other thing i'm i was curious about i i think i i don't remember where i heard it but i i recall somebody saying they weren't sure if they had achieved arahant status and it, it seemed like a kind of a counterproductive way of thinking about it it's that that almost makes it into a uh an achievement of some sort, a, mm -hmm. more eye making. Yeah, I agree. That was the here. Yeah, that. Uh, and and it, it it's interesting. I mean, it's it's kind of a paradox. You've got a you've got as a teaching device or a linguistic device, you've got to name something to describe it. At the same time. You wouldn't be prescribing that someone strive to achieve that per se as a title, right? Yes, um, you're get you got it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll, I mean, I'll, was there a question in there? Because what, uh, the way you yeah, I guess I guess there was a question. I, I was just, I guess I'm just thinking: is, is that in fact the case that this, in fact, is more of a a teaching device as opposed to holding up a station. Yes. Yes. It's not a place to get to. It's not a destination. It's not a goal. Not a title. Not, right. a, not really an achievement per right. se. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's just an arahant is this is what it looks like when you have fully integrated the eightfold path and have a calm and peaceful mind that abides. Correct. And the reason why the Buddha holds up that example is not to say, not to have other Sangha members compare themselves in a way that's, you know, hurtful or more eye-making, it's to understand and orient back to exactly what it is that each individual member needs to do for themselves, which is to practice jhana and continually, moment by moment, integrate the Eightfold Path in every thought, word, and deed. I think there's there's something there, too, uh, that's that's a maybe a corollary corollary to the levels of jhana that there's these levels of understanding and the the fetters dropping away and the the integration of the path and it's just you're right it's not an achievement it's not an attainment it's just you know there's there's guideposts for you to benchmark where you're at along the journey it's just part of the path Yeah. Okay, that helps. And I was afraid for a minute there. I was had missed the Buddha merit badges. And <laughs> we should definitely have merit badges. That yeah. <laughs> Stickers. 
Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. I got everybody online. Uh, John. Ah, Jen, that was just, again, just outstanding your introduction and how you tied um, this suit to, with the previous suit is really just excellent. But your, your whole presentation uh, touched on all the finer points and you really uh, brought out the subtleties of this. Presented in a plain and simple way. And it led to, I think, Jeff's question, but he answered it himself. Um, because you described it, you know, we, the world doesn't validate my awakened status. And if I'm looking for it, I'm not. But when I don't care, I'm getting it. Mm -hmm. you know, but it's not important. But you, again, in, in a, it, I could say, I'm going to say, I guess it's not important to me what you think of me, but that's also within reason. It's framed by right speech, right action, right livelihood. The fact that I don't have to be concerned with what you think of me also gives me really what I would say almost a grave responsibility for my own behavior. Mm -hmm. Because if my behavior is aberrant, you're probably going to notice. Right. And I don't want you to notice. You know, I want I want you to see me dwelling in calm. And you, re you really brought that out. It, you know, this, that uh, the, the swans bouncing from here to here and you can't track them. Well, the same is true for the Arhan, is it? Because he doesn't leave a mark except his own quality of mind. And that's really the only mark that human beings can leave on the, leave on the world. Is mm -hmm. what, we're, what we're holding in mind because it's what we're going to bring out. <clears throat> Conflict-free mind is not going to produce conflict. And you probably won't be noticed, and that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Just, just an excellent teaching. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks, John. David, hold on, let me get the camera on you. Thanks for your teaching. Thanks for being here, Kevin. Jen, thanks very much. Um, I like sort of that ending discussion there about you know, sort of this description that Buddha's giving, and it's, it's, we were kind of talking about it, it's an embodiment, you know, that's the right. dwelling. The dwelling is mm. noticing calm, practicing calm, and that's an offering to others, you know, people notice that, and, you know, when you're calm, people might notice it, and if they, maybe they won't, but you know when you're calm, as we've said, in a world that's not very, and, you know, you did a really good job with that. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, I really appreciated that last uh, <clears throat> discussion that you, Brian, and the question that Jeff brought up, because like, again, in my cynical mind, every time I hear the word Arahan, I'm like, well, here's another reminder that I'm not good enough or, you know, yeah. or here, it, it's kind of yeah. like, but I'm only looking at it like on that surface level or kind of comparing it to them, like you said, mm -hmm. but it's not, you know, like it's not like some saintly figure or like something that I'm not going to be or like a goal to become right. something. Mm -hmm. So thank you for that clarification because then every time you teach it about it, it's like, oh, it is attainable. It's like an embodiment, like Kevin was saying, and just it's just this state of being 
called no it's not like this <coughs> i don't know some other figure i guess that i'm still thinking of it as but yeah so thank you for that clarification i think sure, I, oh, sorry. oh um i think also just the comparing the, the yeah. tendency to yeah, compare is yeah. that's just habit very much that's yeah. just conditioning and so when you see that if you can see that you know that happening that it, that you're comparing yourself to this description that's just habit of mind that is conditioning notice how that's making you feel probably lousy i don't know yeah but you know again then then you know what i'm making because you're agitated yeah um and the point is just come back with breath you have the dhamma in you you know it so you just have to practice it in that moment rather than which we all know, <laughs> running back and forth on the near shore. <laughs> I wanted to say one more thing. It's like, this is again, sort of the, the, and the three jewels, this is the jewel of the Buddha. You know, the Buddha is the Arahant. Those that follow his path are Arahants. So that's what, you know, Yeah. it's, it's no comparison. It's, it's just, that simple. Yeah. We, he did it. We practice what he did. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're doing. That's where we dwell in our lives. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. It's important yeah. to remember that as a, that this helps um, abandon the idea that this is a goal to achieve, is that arahantship, every human being has the potential for arahantship, meaning all that that means is to be a fully mature human being. And so, of course, anybody can do it. And I would say it's the, it's the most ordinary thing we can do, even though you, you've got to put a little work into it. We're just becoming what we're supposed to be. Not something, not something extraordinary, something quite ordinary. Mm. But we, but it's it's um, it's rare, though, isn't it? You know, but again, even because of its rare rarity, as an example, diamonds are diamonds are the most are um, prevalent. Is that the right word? One of the most prevalent things in the world. Yet, because we place a value on it, there's a value on. It. But we're we're just we're just unlocking the potential that the earth has by digging this stuff up. It's everywhere. Yeah. We have that same potential. We have this diamond within us that is our own humanity. And all that we're doing is learning what it means to be human in a in a in a more profound way though. It's a super ordinary thing. I I all I helps to think of it that way. Yeah, I also think about it and I John you know help everybody help me if this is not totally the right way to think about it but i think about like arahant ness is is something that happens in in the moment in a moment yes. moment by moment so you have a moment of being calm at peace mature right well integrated and then not, followed by a moment of, you know, having an agitated mind. So in those moments, yes, that's your you, you've already accomplished it. Yeah. So okay. you can, you know, it's you, there's it's moments like of it. That it was like above that still. Yeah. It's this mm -hmm. like holy thing. I don't know. Yeah. It's just the conditioning. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. everything is yeah, a hierarchy. Yeah. You always get this. Tendency to think of saints. Yeah. And that's what's been held up in front of us all this time. Yeah. 
these seats they, 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 they did it and, and you should be like this uh where instead is yeah just be as much as we can I was talking to John on the way in. I'll talk about this and the, the concept of thinking that you're you're failed when you aren't in that moment of clarity and mm. calm that the judgment that it means yeah and that's that's one of that's the little catchy phrase we use be gentle with yourself mm -hmm. that's the instruction of why you wouldn't be harsh with yourself because we are just human and we are in this practice to develop calm and concentration so why would you ever be harsh with yourself you know, this isn't a practice of perfection. It's a practice of calm and concentration. So to me, that's why it's so easy to be calm with myself, because why would I be harsh with myself? I'm not doing anything that I'm failing at. So that's how I always think of it. When you find yourself being harsh with yourself or even recognizing that you're being harsh with yourself because i think that's the key is recognizing it i mean most of the time for me it's it's okay i'm uncomfortable i'm agitated i'm probably being hard on myself i don't know how but i need to be gentle now is really the you know what it can often look like because you yeah, know how does it matter it doesn't matter no, it does not matter. But this is what the disturbance in my mind yes. is what's occurring, and I recognize that now I'm not being gentle with myself. So you be a human being now. Right. And so, yes, it's just like that. Comparing is being harsh and drop it. No further. Yeah. If, if, yeah. if I've noticed one thing that takes people out of Dharma practices because they can't get past comparing themselves, whether it's others outside the world or within the Sangha, uh, and that is comparison is immediate on it. Of course, mm -hmm. yeah. This person has a nicer hat than mine. It's of no consequence, isn't it? I'll take a person, so I can't sleep till I get the right hat. It's all foolish. It's silliness. Yeah. Instead of recognizing this is the quality of my mind. And we know how to improve that when we find a disturbance. You always say it, Jeff. I'm not sure maybe we do. We practice all for common. Mm -hmm. What's the big deal? <laughs> no, it's just... Yeah. We didn't hear from Bob. Yeah, I know. I know. I keep trying to go back to them and we keep yeah. talking. You're up. Yeah. And then every every breath we take in in Johnny is. That same process. Yeah, it's, it's nothing more. Mm -hmm. it's, it's on the kind of on the microscopic level, but really, it's it's just the same thing we do off the cushion, on the cushion. Is recognizing an abandonment, recognizing mm -hmm. abandonment, just that you know, and feeding that muscle memory. So that yeah, you do it constantly, and you know, after a while, there's nothing left to abandon. And I just, you know, and, and in this, again, in this, uh, this part of the Dhammapada, the, 
the brilliant poetry of the videos. Mm. It's, it's just so beautiful. It's not just beautiful pictures, but they're so spot on. Mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. Thanks, everybody. So do we have any announcements? Oh, the retreat information is up. Yes. Sign up. Announcement will go out tomorrow. Please, if you're joining us, um, sign up uh, as soon as you can because it helps me with the logistics. And I do have some uh, financial anniversaries I have to meet with the one bonus. Yeah, the sooner that, the sooner you, if you didn't hear that, the sooner that you sign up, the easier it is, um, John. Not all of that. I mean, yeah, I really paraphrase that. <laughs> <laughs> I train only for so. <laughs> um, Okay, so we'll finish with the Karaniya Metasutta. Mm -hmm. New and improved. Now that I have the old one memorized. <laughs> this is what is done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. They are able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied. They remain unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. They do not do the slightest thing that the wise would later approve. Always mindful that all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Always mindful to not deceive another or despise any being in any state, they abandon anger and ill will, never wishing harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart, the wiser disciple cherishes all living beings. Radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, free from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. Thank you, Jen. Thank you all. Can you give me that? Please, that's not like, supposed to be wider than it's like supposed to be. Oh, I didn't even hear myself say it. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Have a nice hey. evening. Hey, Jen, tell John, I, I just I just did my uh, retreat. Oh, cool. Application, and I sent sent it in via PayPal, so you should be able to check that later. Okay. Did you hear that, John? Yeah, thank you. All right. Good. It took you so long. I... Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.